Hello and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours, or should I say 10,000 Miles? Maybe you should, Grant. Maybe you should say 10,000 Miles, because this is an exciting episode. This is the first of four episodes that we were lucky enough to record on location in Portland, Oregon, in a series we're calling 10,000 Miles, where we take the show on the road. Literally, Grant got to travel to Portland, Oregon, and talk to people, very cool people, I might add. Humans. Yes. I might add. <laughs> you might. You might add. In their natural habitat. Yeah, they were they were right there in their in their natural habitat. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, so went to Portland, talked to some real rad people, if yes. I'm gonna use the language of Portland. Also kind of my own language, but the language of Portland. It's Portlandese in a way. Yeah, Portlandese. Uh and and uh spoke with them. You know, it was it was uh it was very much like any other episode. But I was there, and it was so cool to like be in the flesh with these folks, these really cool folks. And so to kick this off, uh, episode 25 was OMFGCO, also known as Original Manufacturing Company, which was Jeremy and Fritz. Uh, those guys are the co-creative directors, the principals. Co-founders. The co-founders. Yeah. yeah, you know, they throw a lot of titles around there. Okay, I'm just going to say that. <laughs> they're men of many titles. They are. And they're awesome. And in episode 25, we're talking about intentionality. Yeah. And so being intentional, what does that mean? It, ha- it means having a purpose. It means going forward in a single direction. And it means keeping kind of an end game in mind when you start a project. Yeah, yeah. Or kind of like a like guiding a, principle. A set of philosophies, right? Yeah, and, exactly. And not exactly. straying too far from it. And, and those guys have... And and specifically, we're talking about like their studio and just this idea of being small and and expansion and staying small. Yeah, and those guys, man. To give some context, they're fucking super talented. They're talented so good. and awesome, and just awesome. Yeah, they're really good dudes. Um, and I think with with those guys, a conversation we had was uh, and I don't know if this was on air or off air. You know, I, I lose track these days. But we, <laughs> we were talking about how many things you have to deal with when you're running a studio. You know, I run my own studio. It's smaller than theirs, but it's it's sort of the same idea. It's like right. a lot of things, you know, got to manage this, got to manage that, got to send this, got to send that. And a lot of the things that um, I rely on are tools. Tools, you know, that speed up my process and my workflow. I, I also rely on people and delegation, but sometimes you just got to like, handle it yourself and you gotta handle Absolutely, your things yeah. and, and so something that i rely on is text expander yes specifically for for mac uh that's kind of my jam and uh it it it, uh, it integrates right with my desktop so it's a, it's an app that i download and i use it um, i would say every day i yeah <laughs> i think so I think and, and by every day i mean like several times a day uh, basically, I use a lot of canned. Oh, well, I, I, I use it in a variety of ways. Mostly, right. what I use it for is for things like like my Google Calendar invites. I have a very specific set of instructions. You know, I, th- I think Text Expander is more about like a way of thinking, right? Yeah. Th- there are a set of things you need to do every time X happens. So why would we recreate that scenario? Why, why would I retype that? Operate redundantly, right? Yeah. So, and actually, even for even for to be completely honest, for uh, ten thousand hours, one thing I often find myself typing is an arrow symbol. Now I have a hotkey set up, which is colon ar, which will type an arrow. There you have it. 
Because it's go listen and here's an arrow. I'm I'm so yeah, serious right absolutely. now. Absolutely, no. This is, this is a very that's transparent just moment. Just one example of the many things that Text Expander helps yeah. you with. My phone day. number, my address, my email, my my directions to my studio. It just lends itself to swifter communication. Swifter and that communication, means clearer communication. We should start a company called Swifter Communication because I'm really into that. I love <laughs> how that sounded. So it's a philosophy we both share, and it's one that Text Expander embodies. Yeah. So thank you. Text Expander yes. very much for sponsoring this episode. Thank you, listeners. Check out the first in our journey of 10,000 miles, episode 25, Being Intentional. But being in a garage band would be sweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah we don't want to discourage we're, that. We're mostly <laughs> ska funk, but we have some hardcore rap influences. We settled for a podcast. It's like the nerdy, lame version of a garage band. All right, Vin, uh, can you tell me what you're putting your time into, what you're working on? I'd be happy to, Grant. I'm excited to do so. And can I just say, I miss you a little bit, not being wow. next to me. This is one of the first podcasts in a long time that we uh, haven't recorded in studio together. That's so, so sweet. I'm blushing. Yeah, man. But it is exciting to talk to you from scenic Portland. Uh, and I'll kick things off with what I'm working on. Uh, at work, uh, we're putting a lot of work into this new Samsung business that we just acquired. Uh, it's for their printing division. Uh, super cool client. Uh, we actually work with their HQ over in Korea, so that's presented some interesting dynamics and challenges. You speak Korean well, as I know. <laughs> no, I know a couple phrases because my darling girlfriend is Korean, but um, I can, cannot even begin to help with the business talks by any means. Uh, but yeah, that's kept us really busy. We're doing an online campaign for the printing division. Get so out there. Yeah, yeah, do that. Do the work. That's nice. I like it. Yeah, it's been fun. What about you, man? What have you been working uh, well, on? Well, I'm in Portland now, so that's pretty cool. Hi. Sure I'm is. In Portland. Um, just been jamming on a couple identity projects and, and that music video we were talking about, doing some pre-pro. Oh, uh, yeah. Real pumped on that. And, of course, the podcast, uh, which is a primary reason for coming out to beautiful Portland. And it is beautiful right now. Um, oh, I miss and it. And not, not, not just it. the weather. I'm talking about our guests today. A couple of beautiful <laughs> fellas, let me just say. Um and I would love to ask them what they're working on. But before I do that, uh, it's uh, we're talking to Jeremy and Fritz. Or is it Chris? Uh, Fritz. Oh, yeah. Fritz. It, Fritz, ex- <laughs> excuse me. Yes, Greg, you got it right. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, uh, the principals, the co-founders, the assistant principals, the lunch ladies, as we discussed, <laughs> the, they do it all here at OMFG Co., the official manufacturing company. Here in Portland, they're a creative studio. I'm sure they'll tell us some more about it, but real cool spot. And so, guys, in our first Portland, uh, like actual in-person Portland interview, this is monumental. This is huge. Groundbreaking. Whoa. Uh, what are you guys putting your time into? Um, well, uh, just recently, we uh, you know successfully relaunched our site, which was a Woo! big deal for us. Yeah, we're stoked. Uh, went went well. It got off the ground, Woo! 
And um, thanks. Appreciate that. It was, uh, it's, it was a massive task for us because neither Fritz nor I are, um, that's not really um, our forte. Web, web stuff digital. is digital in general is, is uh, we prefer the analog. We prefer the spaces. We prefer the, the conceptual, the thinking, the making with your hands. And so digital is, we can, we can, we know what we like and we know how to make it look nice, but to make it, it, mm-hmm. Like to develop it is just like one of those conundrums that we've struggled with forever. So uh, to get this thing real and get it live and make it have it work the way we want it to is just monumental. It's huge. Yeah, and I think it was a really fun process too, just to work with our friends at Cabin mm-hmm. um, and like going from the first round of creative that we showed them and them kind of coaching us through like nice. uh, you know what we need to be considering with something that's completely scalable you know like mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm curious about cabin but also could you just so that was fritz talking the first guy was jeremy we're in an audio format so we got to give some context um uh so cabin what's cabin that development firm or something yes okay and that uh, was fritz a little a little bit of a lower tone maybe me yeah yeah Perhaps. I'd say that. Perhaps. Maybe. Get out of here, man. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So congrats on the site. That's real exciting. Thanks. I know that's super hard, especially uh, like bigger companies. You know, there's like teams of people working on it. And like half the time, nobody knows how it gets built. Yeah. Um, but yeah, God, it's tough. So yeah, for real. It was a lot of late nights, a lot of weekends, um, you know, because we had to juggle our client work. Doing your own work doesn't uh, pay the bills. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> true, um, true enough, man. right? Too true. Right. Um, but you know, uh, of course, you know, speaking of client work, we've got a ton of great, uh, clients we're working on. We've had a hotel in new Orleans we've been working on for a second. Um, it's, uh, you know, wrapping soon on our end, but, uh, it still has a little, little ways to go. Sweet. Do you, do you meet those clients most of the time or do you never, mm-hmm. you do? Okay. Oh, yeah. Like so, we have to we have to walk the property and and um, get a feel uh, for the city and all that stuff. It just makes the work better. Sure, it's kind of imperative. And this one was a cool opportunity where we went out to New York, met with you know both kind of development teams behind it, and then also with the interior design team who's mm-hmm. in New York. Uh, they're called Parts and Labor, PLD. It seems like uh, it fits into your vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're and they're, rad. they're, and they're really yeah. great. It's yeah. been like a super fun collaborative process. Uh-huh. Uh, it'd be fun to work with those guys more. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I think the the feeling is uh, mutual between us. So we were excited to work with them. They were they were excited to work with us. So it's cool. That's a nice union. Yeah, that, for sure. That's the same for uh, me and my co-host here, Vince. Hey. Or well, I guess I, I can only speak for myself. I can speak for you as well, <laughs> and I agree. That's nice. That's real nice. Okay, so I think we were talking about um, you know building your own site and uh, and the sort of the pitfalls or the the tough toughness that comes with not you know you're not getting paid to do that um but still it's it's vitally important super important super build a face for your brand Mm -hmm. right so i think you know especially as a small studio as a freelancer as i mean even as you even if you are an individual in a company i think that kind of comes down to a little bit of time management of course you know on a practical end but it's like intentionality and it's what are you putting your time into specifically what are you putting your energy into What's a priority? Um, and I what's think, your vision? What's your realistic expectation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I and so I guess that's sort of the direction of today's episode, which is uh, being intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we can get down with that. You can get down with that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I like it. Cool. Um, so I guess maybe you guys want to just like start us out and give give a little bit of background on on OMFGCO and and kind of how intentionality plays into that story. 
Uh, yeah, how far back do you want us to well, go? Well, so you guys have been around for like four years, right? Five. 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 Yeah, so we just turned, mean, oh, I forgot. No, it's, it's fine. We just turned you know, five the, in You know, the June. years, they go by. <laughs> but, yeah. Time, time <laughs> on so you guys have been around for five years. Yeah. Um, and we were chatting a little bit earlier, and, and we were saying, you know, you're, you're, to four, you're four people right now, and you've sort of kind of rode a wave and gone down and sort of peaks and valleys with that stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you just want to talk about that and, and sort of um, – the, any crossroads there or any trying times? Sure. Yeah, yeah there have been plenty. Yeah, uh, I mean, the whole lot. thing has been just interesting for both of us not having any business experience. You know, we yeah. had plenty of design experience, and neither of us had ever taken a business class in our life prior to starting one. It's funny, though, that, like, so many people say that. You know, we're talking to creatives all the time, and it's like, well, business class, what the fuck is that? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't know. I swear a lot of these business <laughs> yeah. kids aren't actually learning about business, you know? Yeah, I think it's really strange that that's not like a, a critical part of all mm-hmm. design mm-hmm. programs or, you know. Yeah, like, no, creative business. So, yeah, it's a tricky thing. I mean, it's like part of, part of it's a blessing because, you know, we started our company in 2009, which was like at the lowest point of the recession. And so anyone in their right mind in business would have been like not and in, like inclined to start a, their own company you know sure. it was like a really questionable time to quit your job that was rolling just fine and um and <laughs> but it was just like you know we wanted to work together we were both sick of working by ourselves and uh respectively at our own places and and we were just like screw it let's start our own company and and uh, make our make um, you know we can make ace hire us as a company and we can work for stumptown you know as, a, as an agency as well and let, let's see what happens so we well, didn't know we basically didn't know any better right you know? and but there's like there's sort of a not to just keep trying to tie everything back but really there is some intentionality there oh for sure and maybe it's, it was maybe not even so overt right away but like I, I found that too where it's like you start feeling a certain way and then you start to think about it and it's like oh i need to do this mm-hmm. and you start to be intentional uh, in in a like sort of reaction to it oh totally i mean i i left i was at widening kennedy that's where jeremy and i met and I left there after I'd done several freelance projects. You know, I worked for Stumptown. I worked for Cloud Common, did a couple other things like that. Uh-huh. And was just kind of, I don't know, just felt like I was wasting my talent a little bit, just kind of plugging into this big ad machine all the time and sure. working on all sure. these projects yeah. that get killed. And, like, you just spend so much time and energy and, like, uh, put so much heart into all these things that never go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I worked on these smaller projects and just loved the effect it had on real people. And that was like my motivation for leaving there. And then, you know, our made of motivation for coming together and starting a company a year later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I was, um, I, I, like, like Fritz mentioned, we met at Wyden, but I was never employed there. I was only in the school, like a, a mm-hmm. school called WK 12. It was the second year that it existed. And, um, so I had never even had a real design job, honestly. And, I, and that was my kind of crash course into the design world. So when I didn't get hired at Wyden, I just kind of didn't know what I was doing with myself and, and figured out um, really quickly that the, one of the best assets I got from being in the building was the people I met. So I um, used that very intentionally to meet the other right people outside of the building, outside of the Wyden. And that's how I landed at Ace. And I mean, I'd never heard of it before. And, and uh, at that point, they only what had is this. Ace? What's that? What is Ace? Oh, Ace Hotel. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, like, yeah. So Ace Hotel only existed in Seattle at this point. They opened their first one in 99, 2000, mm-hmm. and it was kind of a groundbreaking mini concept. They didn't really plan on making it scalable, and um, uh, at least at that time until they got the press they got, and that was a total surprise to yeah. them. Yeah. And so when uh, I was done with uh, 12 and looking out, 
to see where I was going to land. Um, it, they just happened to be a buy, like buying and opening a property in, in downtown Portland, um, and they wanted that to be their kind of seminal uh, hotel for their brand sure. expansion. So. Yeah, we'll show we'll show notes that stuff too because the work that you guys have done with them and and I mean Ace Hotels in general, it's just beautiful. It's such a cool thing. It just like feels good. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a really super fun project to work on. I mean, it was really a playground, to be honest. Like, I got to get my hands in everything. I mean, it was, uh, like I said, first real design job, and, and it was so far from corporate at that point in particular. It was just, like, four business partners and uh, a very skeleton crew staff. Wow. And um, so That's I got crazy. to work on everything from, like, the sign, neon signage out front to the wayfinding to the business cards, like, robes in the room, like, all of it. Hell yeah. Yeah. It was fun. Okay, so you... You guys go out on your own. Mm-hmm. You you both got a little bit of experience, mm-hmm. kind of in house, yeah, mm-hmm. and or in freelance and and at an agency, right? Um, and then I guess what was the jumping off point? You just you knew you needed to to do something different. Yeah, we'd both been talking about working together for quite a while and had a bunch of overlap between Stumptown and Ace and Clyde sure. Common and Ace and all mm-hmm. these like worked on similar things that were in overlapping properties and mm-hmm. then. Uh, we had a project that kind of fell into our laps that we were able to work on together, which was Olympic Provisions. So that was the first project we took on as a team. And about a week into that, we were like, man, we've got to do this all the time. This is great. Yeah. So we, <laughs> then we just started a company yep. at oh, yeah. uh, Jeremy's dining room table, yeah. started buying URLs and yeah. went from there. So Yeah. And I was technically in-house at Ace uh, for, for about four and a half years. And the last six months of that, um, we had started our company already. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like... I would start by working in this, this studio at um, the Atelier at the time, and then I'd walk downstairs, go across the street, and walk back upstairs in the other building and go yeah. to our studio that we were sharing. Yeah, it was really funny. That was we were, fun. across, we were across the street. Like, our window looked out, and you could see the Atelier, basically, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, yeah, it was not, funny. Not intentionally at mm-hmm. all. No, uh, yeah, it just worked out that way. And we would use their resources after hours and stuff. It was really convenient. That's classic. I ever Scrappy, that. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Mischief managed. Uh, okay, so you guys get together, you're doing your thing, you're at Ace, you're grinding, and you obviously at a certain point realize, like, oh, you're on to something, like business is doing well, it's probably doing better than you expected, um, and you start hiring some people, I assume? Well, I mean, it was, there was a little bit more to it than okay, that. Okay, sure, we, sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we definitely... Um, I think what really got um, business going for us uh, was the original launch of our site. Um, like we already had some clients and some prospects or whatever, but it was all real small and we had no idea what real numbers were and what to charge and all that stuff. Like we were saying with business, we just sure. had no idea. And so, um, and then we launched our site and all of a sudden, um, for the first time, I think, uh, since Stumptown and Ace was finally getting on the radar of people in the design world, they had a place to go to for who was behind mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And even though we were only partial, we were only behind like what we were behind, you know, like there's a lot of creatives that are behind both of those brands that are really talented. Um, but we got a lot of attention for it. And I think that things have been rolling for us ever since then. Um, and yeah, we've definitely had our ups and downs um, and, uh, you know, learned a lot of, le- learned a lot of lessons along the way. Yeah. We had a third business partner for a while, uh, a couple of years and, then had a number of interns and then hired a number of interns to work for us and then had a whole bunch of projects fall through and changed a bunch of structure in our company and, you know, like scaled back to just three of us Mm -hmm. and then stayed that way for about a year Mm -hmm. and then started bringing on freelancers again for some other projects and have kind of maintained, I guess, the same similar size and structure to our company for the last two and a half years. But 
we've we've intentionally stayed small without you know like without having a retainer client or something that we know is going to pay us every month it's definitely uh nice to keep our overhead low and then mm-hmm. just scale accordingly mm-hmm. and then we can bring on the right people for the right jobs mm-hmm. and work with a bunch of different friends of ours and stuff like that Tell yeah me. i'd say one of the biggest things for me at least that that has changed is we we uh, it's much more clear what is a business decision and what is just a decision mm-hmm. um and like and so again that goes back to the intentionality thing like we're much more intentional it's about like what serves the business what's going to help you know us do what we want to do and re- remain profitable what's going to give us the most freedom and the, the lifestyle we want because we try not to work on fridays if we can help it sure. um little things like that it's just like you know we started this for a reason and so we might as well enjoy our lives and not work ourselves to death totally um so th- like there's a lot of intentionality about like where we are now and it's all through h- the hard lessons of of learning stuff along the way so so when you say uh you try and think about it like a business decision versus a decision and mm-hmm. make that distinction what does that mean exactly like yeah maybe some examples could would be good for me at least sure um well like uh you know basically anything that's business decisions often require a bit of sacrifice like where you where you have to be really um kind of uh really clear with like what um the opportunity you know loss and gain is you know in that situation absolutely yeah and and otherwise it just a decision is just like yeah let's do it that's great uh-huh. when you don't really uh-huh. think it through you know or <laughs> yeah. that's the next thing and i, I mean see. we we had a lot of just kind of uh, happy accidents so mm-hmm. to speak where we did i mean we did a ton of projects for way too little early on sure. we landed on a couple that we probably made what we should make on them and then that would carry us for the whole year and we weren't really paying attention to you know <laughs> right. what, which project was completely paying the bills cuz you know you, a lot of them it's like you get the passion of it is what you know drives sure. it and what makes you believe in it as a successful project you know but looking at all sides of it and saying, well, yeah, that was great, but we lost our asses on it, you know, yeah. like good portfolio piece, what, at what cost, you know, like trying to really balance all those things. And then, you know, moving forward from that, you know, I think we, we've, we first heard a couple of years ago from somebody about this 80, 20 theory that, sure. you know, you make 80% of your money from 20% of your clients and spend, what is it? 20% of your time on, I don't know, I don't know, whatever, yeah, 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 same, yeah, yeah. same thing. So, so we just realized, you know, like, well, if we cut out, you know, these, all these clients that we're spending so much time on and not making any money on, you know, maybe we'd, we'd have a lot more time on our hands, our freedom. Yeah, totally. But, I mean, was, but, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, well, no, no. Um, so, uh, but yeah, one, one thought I had to add to that was, um, that's what, uh, on our site right now, you might see, um, the OMFGCO scholarship tab at the very bottom. And our, oh, yeah. our notion with that is, and it's, we're still working it out, figuring it out, but the notion behind it is basically um how do we how do we simplify our lives and take on you know the clients that make us the money we need to make and then that frees us up time-wise to take on the smaller guys for basically pro bono Uh, i see and offer that very specifically yeah i was curious about that and so we haven't we haven't released it or announced it properly yet um Mm -hmm. but but we we're hinting at it on purpose and we're happy to share the concept because we think we really believe in in doing work that we believe in you know what i mean for like people that are small and you know have a great idea and have a great potential brand but can't afford it Mm -hmm. and but the thing is like that's that's the that's the the difference between a decision and a business decision in the past we would just be like let's do it yeah and we would lose our asses on it like fritz said 
And uh, we just can't afford to do that now. We, we just know, like, I mean, you know, we have different responsibilities with the payroll. We have different responsibilities with the family. Like Fritz has a kid and a wife, and, you know, his wife works and makes plenty of money too. But at the same time, it's, like, one of those things that, like, it's it's just more responsible, you know, yeah. ultimately. No, totally. I mean, but it, I think it seems like, you know, you get caught up in this passion of the thing. But it's more responsible to yourself, too, in the long run of, like, valuing your own time, valuing your energy, your worth. I mean, what you guys were talking about is something we talked about on the podcast before. Vin, you've heard me talk about this where it's like um, I started ramping some things up and I had some employees like contracted and I was like, oh, yeah, let's do, you know, let's do three months, six months, you know, whatever contracts and get people in there. And what I realized was not only is the business, you know, very much a roller coaster, but beyond that, I just I just it took away so much of my flexibility and you start doing so many of the things you don't want to do. For sure. And as you add the responsibilities on, you know, that's, that can be a good thing and that can actually free you up in other ways. But it, uh, you, I guess you sort of need to take a step back, which is sounds like you guys are talking about and be intentional, take sort of a, um, uh, inventory of everything that you're doing of what you want to be doing. And I mean the financials too, that's a, kind of a huge component of a lot of this, which is, crazy and and sort of it gets glossed over when we get super hyped on like creative work right mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah totally we we i think we really kind of refocused and spent a lot of time working on bigger clients and and we had really tight schedules we we like jeremy said we took i think we took almost every friday off for about eight months and then i think we started back in on the website and started in on some other stuff like that where we just <laughs> couldn't we couldn't afford to do that you know mm-hmm. um it was really nice to kind of re reorient ourselves i guess and just figure out exactly where what we wanted to do and where we wanted to go um, so this is something that oh sorry i didn't mean to cut you yeah, off, no it's fine but, um i would just cool rambling. this is something that i've heard kind of reflected in both your guys's and grant's um kind of thoughts so far and that's intentionality at a base level kind of means purposefulness and working towards something and what I was wondering is, what do you think this towards is for OMFG Co? What's the vision you guys have that keeps you intentional and purposeful on a day-in and day-out basis? It's a great question. Yeah, we st- we started without ever defining that. Um, and then, you know, we we talked to people about making business plans and other things like that where, you know, having a mission statement. That's something we always ended up doing for our clients and then suddenly we're thinking like, oh, wow, we should have that one of those for ourselves. You know, and we, I think we had one, but we hadn't ever really defined it. I think that one, um, and I don't mean for this to be a cop-out answer by any means, but I really do feel like it's <laughs> no, smart. Cop away, um, please. But, uh, but I feel like it's after thinking about that and after, like Fritz said, after like talking with people about business plans and the future and all this stuff, I, I think we both kind of realized that it's just no matter how much you want to predict it and write it down, no matter how much you want to be completely clear about your path, the kind of the only thing you have control over is right now. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that it, we focus our company, at least right now, on making sure that our lifestyles are what we want them to be, which is why like Friday's offer critical. I mean, 
I'm telling you guys, the secret to happiness is work four-day work weeks <laughs> every week. And then you don't need vacations as often. I mean, vacations are still dope. Don't get me wrong. But I, you don't live for it. You know what I mean? Wise like, words, man. Wise words. And, and it's like that alone is massive. I mean, living a lifestyle that you're stoked on and you're not constantly exhausted and feeling co- like strung out and you, you know, giving yourself time to like refill the well of creativity that you need to like make great creative. I mean, it's critical. And then if you make enough money on the way, then you're stoked. I mean, like, what else do you need? Yeah, and when we, because when we started the company, we were like, I don't know, we were always kind of working and always kind of not working at the same time. You know, we were riding our bikes around the city and taking photos and, uh, you know, and working on a project. But I don't know, I think we changed things so that when we're here, we work a lot more efficiently and effectively. And, you know, it's taken a while to kind of regain that balance of having hobbies outside of work because mm-hmm. we worked all the time mm-hmm. and, you know, the hobbies were kind of part of the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it's been fun to just kind of reacclimate and figure that out. But at the same time, you mentioned that, like, you don't like you don't have control over your long term business plan. And I get that 100 percent. But at the same time, it does sound like you've made some very real decisions in the growth and direction of your company mm-hmm. and that you want it to maintain boundaries and you don't want it to you don't want to have to sacrifice your personal lifestyle and your personal sanity in some ways to aggressively grow your business would mm-hmm. you think would you say that that's kind of accurate oh absolutely i mean it's funny we we were tr- doing a lot of research on our own just like we do with our clients um, just for like, you know, uh, small creative agencies and how to run them. And Sagmeister, of course, has a ton of wisdom yeah. on his site. And uh-huh. so one of our, one of my favorite quotes was from his mentor, Tibor Kalman. And, uh, just said, you know, Tibor told, um, Sagmeister when he was starting his studio, one of the hardest things to learn in running a small studio is how to stay small. And it's true because you just like with everything in life, you just feel like, okay, now I've go to, you know, Junior high, then high school, then college. I get married. I have a kid. It's like that is written into and now our it's DNA. Time to die. Exactly, and it's like so with a business. It's the same thing. You have your own script already written, mm-hmm. and so it's like to get away from that script and to like really be intentional about like how you grow and why you grow mm-hmm. and when you grow, all that stuff. Like, or if you don't, I mean, that just makes all the difference in the world. Totally. Yeah. When when we first started talking about this, and we were talking about being small, I was instantly thinking of of Segmeister. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of uh, he he did a great interview with uh, Great Discontent. I don't know if you caught that one, mm-hmm. and it was like, oh yeah, man, like this is very reminiscent of that. And those are some hard decisions to make too, especially when there are a bunch of people knocking at the door. Mm-hmm. But I think what I'm hearing, what I would like to echo, is fuck intentionality. To a certain extent, I mean, fuck intentionality okay. to the extent... Okay. No, no, here, let me say this, Vince. To the extent that you sacrifice your, like, well-being for the idea of something. You know, we've talked a lot about, like, an adaptive career path. You know, people get caught up in this idea of, like, oh, this is my dream job. Once I achieve this, I will be happy. Once I achieve this... And it's very much this attitude of more, 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 more. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it seems like, and, and this isn't just foofiness, but... When you're operating from a place of happiness, when you're like happy with your, your work and your lifestyle and there's balance, yep. like the work is better and it doesn't matter. <laughs> you yeah, know? It's, it's totally That's true. And I mean, I think uh, we've, so we've spent a lot gonna of... I was going to ask Grant how your personal philosophy about your business kind of meshes or coincides or compares to the vision and philosophy, how it's been presented here today, at least of OMFG Co. Sure. Yeah. I mean, very different stage for sure. But like I said, even even in the like two years that I've had my company, which is called Less, um, there have been those waves. Uh, and what I realized, and it seems like you guys uh, kind of do some of this stuff too. You know, you you like using your hands. You like printing things. You're 
doing analog. I know you're talking about there's a photo, you know, shoot set up here earlier. Like for me, what really drives me and kind of what keeps me moving a lot of times is is doing multiple things, is being multidisciplinary, um, is working on video, is working on design, writing, and sort of a range of things. And I realized once I added people and I added layers, um, I was just like adding things that I didn't like in exchange for money. Mm-hmm. And what I realized was I could just do better at the other things in exchange for more money. And so I think it was more, yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. more of just like, hold there on, like, it. let's look at the ledger. Let's put some more into these categories and, and even do things that, uh, you know, we talk about this a lot too. It's like complimentary things. Um, like even like the podcast, you know, there's a revenue stream there We have sponsors, but we don't, we wouldn't need to get paid to do it at all. Because it's fucking right. awesome. We get to connect with really cool people and have cool conversations. So like, I think something like that, too, has been really, really helpful for me is like finding complementary, overlapping sort of projects. You know, maybe I'm learning something on a project and I'm getting paid. That's amazing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, dude. It's incredible. Absolutely. I'm, to echo that sentiment as someone who doesn't have his own business, who's working the nine to five, being able to balance the energy and effort you put into your career to the energy you save for your own creative pursuits Mm. and for the energy you save for your personal life. It's all very important stuff. And finding that balance is a big part of being intentional in how you spend your time. Well, yeah. And too, if you want to like get any of those like projects off the ground, if you're like really serious about them, you have to be intentional about pushing them forward. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think another thing for us that's been a great learning lesson uh, is just, you know, how to say no and when to say no, you know, because everybody's like, oh, yeah, you got to learn how to say no. And, and we, we, you know, we said no to a bunch of stuff we probably shouldn't have early on, mm-hmm. you know, just because we were like, oh, yeah, well, we're busy, you know, like, I don't really want to do that project. And we would just kind of, you know, mm-hmm. choose based on whether we liked it or not or how much we aligned with it. And, you know, a lot of that has been great. And that's been what has defined our company in a lot of ways is just you know, we, we said early on, you know, we're going to make thoughtful, considered things for people and projects we believe in, mm-hmm. which was just about, you know, like all these different people coming to us and having interesting projects. And could we get down with that? Could we align with them? And could we like believe in this project? And that was kind of our driving force early on. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I feel like it's been interesting just to test that and figure out what we can believe in or what we do believe in through all these projects, but also, uh, you know what the right projects to say no to we've definitely regretted some that we have have said no to and definitely regretted some we've said yes to but it's it's always kind of a journey trying to figure it out so mm-hmm. what would i guess yeah. what would your advice be then to people who are maybe trying early in their evaluate. careers yeah maybe who are you know trying to start something um because you know a lot of times we talk you know when we're thinking about intentionality you want to plan 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 but like we were saying before mm-hmm. there's also value in just saying eh. Fuck mm-hmm. it, let's just go. <laughs> yeah, and you can plan a whole bunch, and nothing goes according to plan, and then yeah. you spend a bunch of time planning for yeah, I don't know things nothing, things right. that things that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, so it's like so. Totally. What what are the necessary elements then? I guess for somebody who's trying to let's just say start something, starting a project. Yeah, you know, you talk, you guys talked to a lot of startups. What do those guys need to know or be um, sort of like? What do they, what do they need to bring to the table to actually have a startup? You know, I talked mm-hmm. to a lot of startups too, and you know, who who want identities, who want brands, who mm-hmm. want X X X, and there are some I believe in, some I don't. Mm-hmm. So maybe even there would be really this would be really helpful for people. Is like, what are the indicators for people? Like, how do you know if if you like, do you believe in them? Mm-hmm. I mean, I 
point of view questions. point of view is probably the first thing we always go to <laughs> yeah. you know like do they have a point of view you know is it is this thing uh, unique in any way or does it even have a focus kind of you know mm-hmm. well yeah i mean i'd say that it's funny i mean because like in talking to in, if if my audience is a startup and i'm talking to a startup i'm going to give them it's like some simple advice i would say you know just dive in for sure and just do it because once you start going and you correct along the way that's that's how people do it you know to be honest um and you're going to make mistakes and you're just going to need to be okay with that and sometimes they'll be painful and sometimes they won't but it's just like you just need to be okay with that and and you know don't don't let something stop you from starting Mm -hmm. and once you've started though other pieces of advice i could offer that we've learned along the way is be really clear with your communication and like that's really hard to learn i mean that's really hard like if you're going to be late on a deadline that's fine as long as you tell them hey i'm going to be late you know what i mean but a lot of people are just like they're just so bad about communicating Uh that then the client gets pissed and then then their relationship is fraught with difficulty moving forward and it's like there's no need for it just communicate communicate clearly and frequently and you're going to be you're you're preaching the choir man right that's something we what was that what episode are you (laughs) thinking of that back and forth we had an episode called back and forth not too long ago. Maybe it was 18, I mm-hmm. want to say. Yeah. Um, but we, we were talking about something... that, exactly, which was like, because uh, that was me dealing with freelancers or dealing with like interns, <laughs> yeah. which yep. I took that next step too. Yep. And actually, maybe that's just a, a next topic to explore is this idea of like the expectations mm-hmm. of what you should be doing versus yep. whatever. But But we were saying, it's just like, I just fucking tell me, just tell me, like, we just need just to talk. talk to me, man. You know, just c- talk come to me, to me early with a draft. Don't wait because you're, everybody's scared and mm-hmm. like, doesn't want to get judged, but you just have to like push on through it. You have yeah. to. Uh, and I mean, I think starting on my own, my own optimism got in my way too, where I'd be oh, like, yeah. oh, I can get that to you tonight. Yeah. I know you really oh, no. need it. I'm, I want to get it to you. Mm-hmm. You know, and just me wanting to get someone something would be oh, like, man. I'll get it to you. And then mm-hmm. I'd, you know, be working until like 3 a.m. and mm-hmm. not having it done and then just feeling bad instead of having said, you know, like, I'm going to try to get it to you. Uh, you know, right, but I still right. have to figure a few things out. You know, it could end sure. up being tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, which was a way better scenario. You know, because mm-hmm. yeah. then everybody's happy if it's early. Everyone's still happy if it's if on it's time, tomorrow because you know it's that's when you said it was. <laughs> right. Nobody's happy if it's late though. Exactly for yeah. real, yeah. And especially if there's radio silence because you know if there's uh, like silence, that gap is gonna get filled. And if you're not filling it, then they're gonna fill it with the worst things possible in their brains. <laughs> Just verbal lashing. Totally. And so it's just like, yeah, that and also one other small one, which is actually a massive one, is be <laughs> really, really clear on scope delivery. Right. You know, because yeah. scope... intentionality. Yeah, right? Through, scope, scope creep is a real thing. And like, you know, if you're... I mean, though I use a restaurant analogy a bunch because I grew up working in restaurants. And it's just like, you go to a restaurant, you order an appetizer, you pay for the appetizer. You order a drink and you, you get it, you pay for the drink. You want another drink? You pay for that drink too. Right, yeah. And it's like, it's just that simple. That It really is. And as long as you spell it out and people want another thing another round another version whatever like they're paying for it you know what i mean like and it's Mm -hmm. and it's completely reasonable it's not insane like that's the thing yeah yeah you have it's really hard to get comfortable with that i mean that's i think that is the the problem that a lot of creatives deal with is oh i love this work Mm -hmm. like oh, i get to make stuff oh i shouldn't charge people for it or what's another what's another little thing all you're doing is devaluing your own work right yeah Yeah. your own time yeah you know i mean like you just keep giving up your time Mm -hmm. then you're not going to have any left for yourself. Yeah. Totally, man. Yeah. It's, it's a dangerous road. It and, is. And that, that was something I was going to say was with uh, project planning. You were talking about, uh, oh, I'll get it to you this day. I've like learned finally, you know, like 
after a few years now, it's like, okay, you need to build in some, you need to build in some space. And I found that actually, um, because I'm doing all my negotiating, I'm doing all my own stuff, right? I'm basically a freelancer in mm -hmm. that way. Like laying out the project plan isn't just an exercise for the client. It's an exercise for me <laughs> to, to so have something to stick point. to yeah, and to point. think through like, what are the steps? What is the process? And actually, that was one big question I did have for you. And I'm sure, Vin, we should probably OTT soon. But I was going to ask you guys just about your process because I think that is, that is something that is a little sticky and is where some of that gray area comes in with, like, thinking about these projects that are maybe, you know, three-month, four-month, five, whatever. So I guess, like, what does your process look like, when, especially with conceptual stuff? I mean... I'll say this really quick, maybe before we go into the very specific processes, like tell us the magic, tell us all the I, answers. I mean, How think, do we do it? Yeah. I mean, I think we started out thinking that it, all the magic was in, in not having structure, you know, like, Oh, it's just <laughs> going to be so creative. We're going to like, just like, let it build, you know, let it come to us. And then, oh, yeah. you know, every time we've added structure, it's benefited us, you know, because we, we can always find room to like move within that or move out of that. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, the more structure we've added, we, I mean, we recently, this, this, uh, winter kind of really got specific, made a whole process deck that we now share with our clients that kind of, which is again about managing expectations, but it shows them exactly how the project's going to go down, what the first round looks yeah. like, what is a first round, you know, like what, are, and it has, you know, a glossary of terms. It has everything in it that it's just like, That's nice. a lot of, uh, we, I mean, a lot of our clients, I mean, we've had a lot on both sides where they either have never worked on a design project project at all before and that and you kind of have to hold their hand through that or they've done plenty of them you know so it's like remembering like who your client is and what what they know mm -hmm. is a is a key part but mm -hmm. for us just really truly defining what our process is i mean it, and it had gotten really consistent before that but then even looking at it and saying like well what is the first round what mm -hmm. does that mean what is a round you totally. know like all that, that stuff that's, which a, is, that's a really good point I've, I've been on especially i've been on sets lately a lot more and, uh, you know, there was a couple shoots recently where, where, um, you know, the crew, like a couple of the dudes were just like complaining about the client, like, oh, the, like, cause the client was on set and they were like trying to micromanage the shots, like getting there, trying to art direct stuff. And like, I was like, like, guys, I want to pile on with you, but it's like your job to let them know. Like, cause I was like, you know, a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, whatever, when I was on the first set. I was like super excited and just running around and everything seems really important. You need to like educate them. That's like so not fair. Absolutely, That's like throwing man. them into a soccer game. They have no idea what the rules are and saying like, <laughs> and God, you're like, suck. why are you kicking the ball, homie? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wrong goal. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, you know, our, our, I think that um, adding to what Fritz said, I mean, we've over the years formalized our process much more, but I think that it, we both realized along the way that if you formalize it too much and you stick to that in a, in a way that's like almost robotic, you, you start to become sterile. Mm -hmm. And so we intentionally talked with uh, Heather, our managing director about like in, in, building in kind of like room for going like sideways every once sure. in a while, or like this like magic moment that we might have an idea that we don't know how to bid for yet. We don't know yeah. what that idea is until it comes. And there's always those. I mean, just the one. I mean, mm -hmm. like the meat sign in Olympic provisions was totally that. Uh -huh. Where we're just like, oh, we need to put something there. Like, what is it going to be? And mm -hmm. we like came up with the idea, and then basically just tried to figure out how to make it on our own so uh -huh. that so that it could be a part of the space. I mean, we did it for free basically yeah, like 800 bucks it cost us and we charged them like 12 we made like nothing on oh, it it was ridiculous uh, you know what yeah. i mean like it was insane totally so, yeah that was but but it's like this at the same time that's like the moment when you walk in there you go like oh mm -hmm. look at that that looks awesome and that's a 
thing that everyone photographs. It's mm-hmm. like it was in the New York Times in four months. You super know, it was cool. like mm-hmm. super cool. That kind of thing where you just knew it had to be a part of the space, mm-hmm. but uh, didn't really know how it was going to happen. But just kind of make it happen because. So it basically, needs to. Be, be intentional. Put some guardrails down. Give yourselves like sort of a rough outline, but don't be too stringent because like then you you leave some flexibility, some room to breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, and to yeah. kind of strike on the magic moments. Yeah, yeah. and I like, guess quickly we could go out over our actual process. What is that? Which is, I mean, we, we often spend a lot of time doing research. We we send our clients a questionnaire to start with. You yeah. know, anything we don't know about them, we ask. Sure. And try to try to make, come up with questions that are very specific to their business or, or what they do. And then uh, from there, we try to develop a really solid creative brief. And yeah. we started off not really, I mean I, I mean, I think we had kind of general idea creative briefs, but they weren't real specific and they weren't something we had our clients sign off on. And, you know, that's a process we're really proud of now is just making really, really tight creative briefs. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot, it's like a big writing exercise and a lot of, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times we'll end up writing the mission statement for the company yeah. we're working on. Yeah in those, you know, just coming up with a real clear, succinct way to even for them to talk about themselves, mm-hmm. because that's, you know, a huge part of a brand. Um, and a big part of that is, is making it really clear to them in the creative brief process that this is a collaboration, that they, their voice matters. So we use a lot of their own language from the questionnaire and from other things in the creative brief. And it like works to what I think of as unifying the creative side and the client side. Mm-hmm. And so you're working towards a unified goal. And then everything just becomes more of a, an easy, easy navig- navigable path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just makes, you know, it takes kind of the arbitrary out of a lot of decisions. And, yeah. you know, it's like not about whether anybody likes blue or likes brown or whatever mm-hmm. it is. It's, it's about what's, right, right, what right. answers the question yeah. and what, you know, best serves the needs, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I think we, we put a lot of weight into our creative briefs and they just help so much throughout the process. Yeah. They mm-hmm. become the navigational tool throughout the whole process. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, that's that's huge, guys. And I think a, a reoccurring theme in this conversation has been, you know, clarity, both in communication with clients and with each other, and then also honesty mm-hmm. and kind of having a very sincere and genuine agreement about what you want to be accomplished. And then honesty with yourself as well, what projects you really want to take on and why you want to take them on and then what you want to get out of them. Mm-hmm. And I think if everyone is open and honest with each other, being intentional and purposeful with the work is a lot easier. At least that's what I'm hearing mm-hmm. in this conversation so far. Totally. Just briefly, uh, for people who like aren't familiar with the creative brief, or maybe are, but like, what does your creative brief typically look like? Um, it's like, I mean, honestly, it's built off of really obvious questions yeah. but that people don't take time to answer. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, who is blank? Who is your company? You uh-huh. know what I mean? And, um, you know, you know it starts uh, with define it like challenges. What are the like challenges of the project? Yep. Uh, you know, what's the mission mm-hmm. goal? Uh, then we have a, uh, yeah, the, a North a, Star type of vision mm-hmm. now that's like a bigger one than the mission, you know, kind of a further down the line type sure. of mm-hmm. idea, loftier. Big idea. And yeah. then we go into keywords, you know, which we always make, you know, we probably put down 20, 25 keywords, and then we always try to narrow that down into five. And we want them to be uh, just kind of like universally understood words, not mm-hmm. uh, not a buzzword necessarily, but something right, that really right. means something to that yeah. client and to to everyone. Yeah. So we kind of try to unpack those and make sure everyone's on the same page. And the keywords become a pretty critical part mm-hmm. for us. You know, it's kind yeah. of like Brand further fillers. down the line at mm-hmm. the bottom. Those are the ones that uh, we end up going back to a lot, you know, like to hold our designs up against. Or mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's literal language. We can say, like, does the design feel like 
this this with this whatever word that applies mm -hmm. and um yeah and so between the the keywords and the mission statement i think those two really support each other the rest of it is more context um uh, like gives you like you know we we do some research into um the uh creative or the competitive landscape mm -hmm. of whatever their industry yep. is yeah um we um you know, write down other tidbits of information that we feel like could be relevant in like either their own personal histories or whatever, mm -hmm. um, you know, because there's all sorts of like little side bits of information. You never know what, where they'll fit in. And then we uh, always just define the target audience at the same yeah. time. Yeah, just exactly. who are we talking to? Nice. Yes. Nice. This actually sounds really like I do a similar thing with especially with like uh, new identity projects. Mm -hmm. I just I, t I call it homework mm -hmm. and it's like week zero. Yep. Like before anything ever starts, that's yep. got to be completed. <laughs> exactly. Well, they sound both those approaches sound succinct and they sound straightforward and they sound reflective, mm -hmm. which is what I look for in my briefs. Don't always get them. Okay. <laughs> ideally that's what it looks like and i know we are riffing we are just on a hot streak right now lots to talk it's the about weather man it's warm but i'm gonna here. break it up i'm gonna be the bad guy and say let's get off the topic even though this topic topic so far has been great um and so this is something we're doing for ten thousand hours ten thousand miles this, the, the, the 10k road, road trail. <laughs> yeah exactly uh everyone we're talking to in portland uh, we are talking about the off-topic topic of home <laughs> in its many ambiguous and vague meanings, what home means to you. And this is part of a, a series of our Portland visit, which will be eventually featured in Friend of the Show, Green Room Magazine. Good friend of the show. Dope. Oh, absolutely. And a wonderful publication. We'll show notes it. Please check it out. We have worked with them before. Grant, I know you're heavily involved. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> deep, deep into the magazine. Right. Um, and so, guys at OMFG Co., will you please join us in a reflective talk <laughs> about home? What does home mean to you? Maybe it's your physical space. Maybe it's the city you were born in. Maybe it's the city you live in now. Maybe it's something completely different. When I say home, what do you guys think of? Hmm. Whoa. I know. Whoa. Yeah, it's hard to narrow it down to one thing because I think like all of the things you listed sound pretty familiar as home. Um, I think um, for me, home is uh, ease. Um, whenever, the, whenever things feel like less of a struggle, they feel a little quieter, they feel a little more still. Um, that, that, you know, I, I'm lucky to, to feel like I have that in in portland uh right now um mm -hmm. uh, i feel like i have gone through long long stretches where i didn't have that at all and that was also in portland so um yeah i don't know it's it's a uh, very no, esoteric that's perfect, man home is repo repose and reflection mm -hmm. and quiet time and mm -hmm. that's a really important thing to have a place to recharge like sanctuary if you mm -hmm. will indeed yeah and for me i i mean i think it's really family focused just because uh, my house is definitely home, but it doesn't feel that way with my family out of town, you know, or if I'm there by myself, it's always just kind of like, oh, yeah, this is all right. You mm -hmm. know, it's nice to have some free time, but <laughs> yeah. it just doesn't feel like home, you know, so it's like, it's like the relationships. Totally. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just I think comfort and. uh yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think what mm -hmm. else. W was there a point where you felt like your home transferred from like a childhood home to like, oh, wait, now, like I'm actually like where I am now is home. Yeah, for me uh, in particular, I mean, I, I don't have a, a, a wife or kid. And so, you know, whenever I think my f 
friend circle became my family yeah. was when that happened. And, cool. and also partially just leaving. I'm from Texas mm. originally. I'm from Lubbock, Texas. Oh. Um, don't ever go. Oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible place. Um, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's nice to be from Texas, but it's not great to be in Texas. Sure. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, so, yeah, I, be, I mean, no you know, offense, it's like... largest state. Yeah. No, well, no offense, second largest. Little yeah. offense. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I think that was the, that was a turnover for me. Mm-hmm. realizing that my friend circle was my family essentially yeah yeah, yeah I, I mean i think it's funny because in college you definitely aren't at home it's always like oh i'm gonna go home for the weekend yeah. or home for christmas or whatever and you know sometime after college moving back to portland um and then yeah just living with your friends and that starts See? to feel as much like home as anything you uh-huh. know once you kind of that's uh, interesting to me like not only is home a place of comfort but it's a feeling of comfort that creates that forges something into a home, right? Mm-hmm. You can't have one without the other. It's kind of like a cyclical. Mm-hmm. Vinny, what is home? What is home to you? I mean, you're because you're from uh, you're originally from Phillips, Wisconsin, if I'm correct. <laughs> yeah, scenic, sweet, sweet Phillips, scenic Phillips, Wisconsin. Where, where's Phillips? Uh, extremely rural part of the country, uh, in the American North Midwest, a small town, Wisconsin. Um, and for a long time, that felt like home. Now it feels like a place where my family lives, not yeah. where I live. Uh, I want to kind of piggyback off this idea of comfort and a home. Uh, I'm actually living alone for the first time in yeah. my life. And the, I mean, previously I've always had a roommate or lived in a dorm room with someone or lived with a girlfriend or lived at home with my family. And now I just have so much more quiet time to reflect. It's unbelievable. And I, I didn't realize how much I missed this like solitude, this isolation until I had it again. Mm-hmm. Bravo. You and I both, I think we moved into our, our loneliness at the same time, right? <laughs> yes. We yeah. renounced our communications and connections together. Uh-huh. We became hermits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not accurate really, but, uh, and actually I have like a home studio, so it's like, I like right. bed and stuff is like upstairs and then everything else is downstairs. So it's definitely like uh non-traditional. There are not many people I know uh, who do have that sort of situation, but I love it. I'm actually like the past like three months. I've been like the happiest of my life, which is crazy. Wow. And we're still riding right that wave, which is really cool. That's great. That's awesome. Man. Yeah. Do you feel like you're more at home upstairs or downstairs? Ooh. Ooh, a dangerous question for Grant. Well, <laughs> it's reflective. Are you more at home in your personal time or while working, man? Uh-oh. Hmm. I, d- I feel like there may be the slight separation of a stairwell, but I don't think it changes anything. <laughs> so I think um, probably I'm, I'm more comfortable, like, chilling upstairs, I guess, like okay. reading. Okay. Uh, and so that's always really nice time. If you, Whenever I'm, like, reading a book, that means, like, I probably don't have – something like that needs to get done right then. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I mean, I'm also like very, 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 very much, if not the most at home, like 2 a.m. at my computer or with a notebook, like sitting at my desk, you know, in the same spot. It's just like, totally. It's, I'm a big fan. So that's For probably sure, the man. closest thing to home I, I, I have. Home is a blank page. Is that right, Grant? There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. There's my forced philosophical metaphor of the show yeah i have one every show you have you know use three or four (laughs) you fit them in in. yeah you you shove them in (laughs) uh well thanks guys that was very enlightening 
conversation about home. I feel some of my own feelings reflected in yours, which is always nice. Uh, (laughs) Now I'm going to jump back in to our last words, which is how we wrap up each show here on 10,000 Hours. We jump back into the topic with two questions for our guests. Big questions. Two big questions, and in order, they are... One, how can our listeners support you guys at OMFG Co? What should they do to show their support? And two is, if you wanted those listeners to take one thing away from your time on the show, what would that be? Only one thing. Do we each get to answer this question? No, you each get half an answer. Jeez. No, no, you each no, get a, of course. No, because you're a, ha- you're a half total, you each get a quarter of an answer. Okay. You, you get the first half of the first answer. All right, perfect. <laughs> No, you guys can take it away. All right. Uh, I, I, can I can't you? remember the questions how, anymore. How can the listeners support you guys? How can oh. we be supported? Um, you, you guys, <laughs> listeners, listeners could write us love letters write us through up. our site. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll show it we'll to a mailing address if you want. Um, For sure. Sure. Oh, no, through your site? Through oh, yeah, our site. No, that's yeah. nice. That's nice. Yeah, You yeah. scroll to the your bottom. Your contact form is yep. fantastic. Yeah. Oh, oh thanks. perfect. Yeah. yeah, there's a little love letter form. I um, think, yeah, that's how I got in touch with you guys. It is. I wrote your love letter. It is. It's true. Um, so that's a, that's a way of support. Also, just go be happy and oh. make amazing oh, work. Yeah. Like that would support so the selfless. shit out of us. Yeah, we don't. I'm yeah, we, you don't have to buy our merch. Only buy it if you want to. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm yeah. super tempted. I think I'm going to get the uh, the why not today print. Real big fan of that one. Word. I, I think we can figure that out. Cool. Um, oh man, too good. Uh, and then the, well, maybe maybe the less selfless listeners want to actually go to your site and your social media yeah, what, contacts what is, the, what, what is your website you? oh uh it's omfgco.com um yeah and you know, buy buy all of our merch it'll be the best yeah buy, all of <laughs> buy it in every size <laughs> awesome. yeah buy, buy two or three of them yeah like, and, whatever you're gonna and get every purchase of course you guys donate a pair of shoes a kitten to our oh, kitten yep. kitten wearing <laughs> shoes to <laughs> a child we buy a pair of shoes for my son <laughs> a pair of shoes to a kitten on a dolphin wow this is such beautiful work nice. you guys are doing yep. it's, it's great to do creative work but with a conscience yep. it was, it was, it was, exactly. really cool. um the second one um yeah what, what could people take from this talk um well i'd hope that it would be uh for me i would it would be Make sure you're actually um, doing things you like to do because it's easy to trick yourself otherwise. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, doing creative work is cool and everything until all of a sudden you realize it's not cool at all and it's still creative, but you're not stoked or whatever. But so it's, it's, a, complicated, it's a complicated thing to check. Like, I guess what I'm saying is like, make sure that you can check yourself honestly and frequently. Uh, yeah, and something we always we we like to say a lot is it's easy to make things pretty and it's hard to make things matter or not so easy. Yeah. And that's something wow. I think like just making work that matters is, I mean, for us is so much more fulfilling and just, you know, like has a bigger impact on the world than just putting out another pretty thing. Mm-hmm. Wow, those are, those are two very on point and thought provoking not to use a cliche, but really, there, <laughs> oh yeah, some, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but those are those are great things to keep in mind. Like to summarize the idea of intentionality is to make things that matter not only in the world in a general sense, but make the things that matter to you. And I think that's kind of the combination of those two thoughts: mm-hmm. is do what you <laughs> love, and if you stop loving oh, it, stop doing it. High-fived over here. 
Oh, it was beautiful. Nice. Yes. I hope so, man. Because I just high five myself. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I think it bleeds through, though, with what you guys are doing. When you say, like, uh, it's easy to make things pretty, it's hard to think, make things that matter. I think because of that intentionality, like, the work just seems better. It seems prettier almost Amen. because it's it's got, like, purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Agreed. I just want to echo sort of one thing you said. And you were talking about, about like, being honest with yourself and checking yourself. Um, and you're talking about happiness. Uh, I, you know, I was listening to, uh, Hardwick a few days ago, a Nerdist podcast, and he was talking to his guest and he was saying like, dude, I would be shitting myself if I, at 15 knew where I would be at. And it really got me thinking. And it's like, you know, that, that really is what I was talking about before is this idea of the future mm-hmm. and this like projection into the future of like, what's going to be good. What is happiness? And, and of, of the expectations of people and of yourself. And I think that's the, the thing is like, even like, I think a lot of people would look at you guys and your work and what you guys have done and just be fucking floored, right? Like, oh my, I would be so happy if, right? But I think right. to kind of humanize you guys is to say like, well, what, is, what does any of this matter, right? If mm-hmm. you're not going to find happiness and, and purpose in the work you're doing, mm-hmm. you know, I think just be honest about what you want and, mm-hmm. and really kind of, find ways to figure out who you are mm-hmm. and then kind of operate from that place of self-awareness. Agreed. Yeah. The other thing I think, uh, as a one more note is just, we laugh a lot in our nice. studio. We I mean, we like do bad, dumb jokes constantly. <laughs> yeah. and we just find ourselves laughing a lot. And I, I mean, it just makes our job fun. You yeah. know, every day we come to work and laugh a lot. So that's, that's nice. Yeah, I mean, honestly, sometimes it's a it's a an, an insight or a, a kind of a roadmap into knowing that we're doing something right for our client or for ourselves. Yeah. It's like when we're making something that we think is hilarious or really smart and stupid all at the same time. <laughs> um, we really we feel like that that's the kind of thing that when people find when it finally gets released into the world people will be like oh I wish I would have thought of that or I did think of that and I just didn't do it uh-huh. or whatever. Right, right. It's those ideas. And um, yeah, or why would anyone do that? Right, that's so funny. <laughs> right, awesome guys. Yeah, well, that I mean, thank you guys so much. This has been a great conversation, and I know I've learned a lot, and I had a lot of fun doing it. And so that's this has been worthwhile for me. We this was an intentional move, and I think it, <laughs> it paid off personally. Uh, and I really appreciate you taking the time, and I'm jealous that Grant is there talking to you guys in person you yeah just to hang out for a we, few more minutes we're actually we're, we're drinking no, we're, giving, we're drinking some of these uh what is it post time how do i time kolsch kolsch yeah yeah what, oh man uh, break uh breakside breakside brewery yeah we so breakside brewery um is a local brewery that makes great stuff great beer sure and they um for the past couple of years now have been generous enough to offer portland meadows one of our clients uh, a chance to make a limited run uh, custom beer, and we got to not only design the can this year, um, but also name the beer itself. Boom, and boom, last boom. year was a bottle, and it was really oh fun. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So uh, and the, last the, year it was called Lucky as Hellas. Yeah, it was a Hellas oh, beer. Oh, you guys, you're too much. Yeah, that's so, all getting shown out. Yeah, we get we get, we have a lot of fun with it. <laughs> Sorry, Vin, I couldn't let us get out of here without without noting that the delicious beer and beautiful design. Thank you, guys. If we could, I would tr- I would like to try our very first. Uh, or at least attempted in sync, ship it. So we end every show saying ship it. It's sort of the the mantra here. I'd love you guys to try and sync up. Your business partners, you're both principals. You should be on the same wavelength. You should be. Mm-hmm. You're, I mean, about a foot and a half away from each other. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to let you guys go from here. So we're going to send it? So ship it. we can do okay. a count of three type of thing? 
For sure, yeah. Maybe we'll Our do like a Wayne's World on. three, two, one, and then the I just want mm -hmm. finger. Mm -hmm. Okay. Ship it. Damn, that was silky <laughs> smooth. I'm into it. Oh my Beautiful. god. Perfect first take. And All right. Up. Thank you so much, Jordan.